0: If you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalms 23. Psalms that we are all very familiar with. Psalms 23, beginning with verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters and restores my soul. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, we bow before you again with thankful hearts that we have the privilege together on this Sunday evening to worship you in truth and spirit. We thank you, Father, that you have given us such a great salvation that Jesus Christ willingly left his place there in glory, veiled his glory and came to dwell among sinful men, so that we might come into a relationship with you. We thank you, Father, that we know that our sins are forgiven if we are in Christ. And we pray, Father, that we would be faithful to live a life that is pleasing to you. We pray, Father, that as we go through this time tonight, that all that would be said and done would be glorifying to you, that Christ would be exalted, and that your name would be glorified. We continue to pray, Father, that you would bring sinners to Christ. We pray that You would sanctify Your children. and this we pray in Christ's name and for His sake. Amen. Some of you know that in June 1999, a group of 40 adults and children met at Miss Lenny and Mr. Tom's house. And we formed a group at that time to meet and study the possibility of becoming a church. We met there for three months. We called our South Heritage Bible Church. And then we moved out to RTS in the fall, and we rented the building right next door to the library. We were there for 13 years. And during that time, we had a number of students from RTS come and be a part of our congregation with their wife and family, men like Andrew Matthews, Stephen Gain, Ted Dodd, Stephen Mina, Michael Johnson, Brian Henson, Jeff Norton, Luke Steele, Isaac Makashini, Chris Erickson, Alan McClellan, Michael Weiss, Tony Stalling, Aaron Liu, and we have four men that are still with us. Kenny Spansel, Keith Wilson, Hal Pritchard, and Tiago Otavella. The majority of the men are faithfully serving the Lord Jesus Christ in ministry throughout the United States and even in other parts of the world. It's a blessing to know that our church, Grace Baptist, has had a little bit of positive influence on these men while they were at RTS. We're here now to give a farewell to Tiago and his family. We began that this morning hearing a wonderful sermon and a wonderful resignation letter. But there was one thing that Pastor Tiago left out in that resignation letter. His oldest son, Reuben, was saved by God's grace during these years they were here, and also became an old Miss Rebel fan. <laughs> to some of yours, dismay. But we are so thankful that God worked in such a positive way. Tonight is special in the life of our church. And as we say, farewell to another RTS student. As stated before, he's been with us for eight years. We have helped raise his family and we have fallen in love with his family. So therefore, he can leave, but not his family. (laughs) Not only were they faithful members, but as shared this morning and as shared other times, God providentially opened the door for him to be pastor elder with me here. Of course, that was not his plans. He had planned to simply get his degree in four years at RTS and then go back to Portugal and pastor and be a part of the seminary there in Portugal. But it didn't work out exactly as He planned. As Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs His steps. And we're glad that God had a different plan for them while they were here in America. Even though we thought that that plan would include 16 more months, those 16 more months we know will be spent in Washington, D.C., As you know, God opened up an opportunity for him, and that opportunity was one that he discussed with me, and we both knew that it was an opportunity that he could not turn down. There was no doubt in my mind that this is a door that God had opened up, that it was God's will, and that God would use that to be able to provide him the means that he needs to be able to return to Portugal, to be able to accomplish the work that God would have him do there. Now, as I've mentioned before to some of you, I don't really like it, fleshly speaking. As I mentioned weeks ago, as I dealt with Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, I pointed out that Jesus recalled as He looked into the cup that He had to drink. St. Clair Ferguson said, Everything in Jesus longed to escape from this terrible experience seen in its own light. Yet everything in Jesus also longed to be obedient to the Father. In that light, he bowed before him praying, Not my will, but your will be done. Donald MacLeod said, You say, ha, the moment we know something to be God's will is easy. It might be for a few, but the whole glory of Gethsemane is that God's will was not easy. It wasn't easy for the Lord Himself, even for Him, any more than the thorn in the flesh was easy for Paul. And we know that this is not easy for any of us to send a brother off who has been with us and his family for eight years. After preaching that particular sermon, I went up to Pastor Tiago and I told him, I know that this is God's will for you to go to D.C., but it isn't easy. I told him, I don't like it, but I'm willing to submit to God's will. And we know that while he is at Capitol Hill's Baptist Church, he will continue to work on his doctrine. He will experience training for being the European coordinator of Nine Marks. He will begin or continue working on starting up Martin, I mean, uh, Martin, yeah, Martin Bruthor Seminary and working with a new Bible translation there in Portugal and also preparing to pastor there at First Baptist Church. In his spare time, he will be teaching his boys Hebrew and Greek, and he will give members of Grace Baptist Church tours of Washington, (laughs) D.C. Of course, next July, if you want the opportunity to be able to see him and visit with him, just plan on going to family camp because he's going to be our main speaker at family camp next year. I'm informing him of that now. (laughs) But I have got approval for that. So it's not just me speaking. Jeff Thomas said, There is scarcely a question I am asked more frequently than if I know a man I can recommend to a church searching for a minister. What I want to be able to do is commend a sensible and humble man, unflashy and approachable whose life will be spent in serving a group of people who become His best friends, whom He desires to take to heaven with Him. He will bring all the Word of God to them and apply it to their life, but first of all to His own, teaching, exhorting, rebuking, correcting, and instructing them in righteousness, thoroughly equipping them for every good work. I believe this is the kind of man that Pastor Tiago is. He's not perfect, just ask Marta. But no pastor is, you can ask Lawanda. But he meets the biblical qualifications. The biblical work of a pastor is to be found in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul states that Jesus is building his church by giving the grace gifts, spiritually enabled men. And the chief gifts are the apostles and prophets, the foundation gifts on which the church is erected. And this is the challenge and privilege and demand facing every church and all that it does. To make sure that it establishes its own self in the apostles and the prophets. What the apostles and the prophets wrote. So the gifts of the prophets and the apostles is the miraculous supernatural gift which is the foundation, the heartbeat of every congregation. Pastor Tiago mentioned this morning how amazing it was that these apostles, these group of men who were frightened and left our Lord became such mighty men and God used them to lay the foundation of the church. Whenever such a church gathers to meet around what we call a miracle, a true miracle, God's Word At the heart of the worship is the supernatural Word of God, which is the Spirit and the life of His church. So by the Word of God, the miracle of regeneration takes place. Sinners are made children of God. Ungodly men are sanctified. Immature Christians grow. The hungry are fed. Hope is renewed. The prodigal comes home. The backslider is renewed. Jesus Christ is magnified and God is glorified and the Holy Spirit fills His people. All of this happens as the Word of God is preached and the Spirit drives it into our hearts. So the gift of the apostles and the prophets is utterly indispensable. There is no greater blow to a church than for the Word of God to be dis- diminished, deluded, or marginalized. It is the hub of the church. And without it, there is no true church. Now we gather each Lord's Day to hear the Word of God preached. That's the focus of God's church. Preach Christ and Him crucified. And you know as well as I know, Pastor Tiago has been faithful to do that in the years that he has been here at Grace Baptist Church. Charles Spurgeon said, The preaching of the Word is the means of blessing Christians, saving the lost, growing congregations, and glorifying, and most of all, enjoying God. So Charles Spurgeon is the one that brought up about enjoying God, not John Piper. So Christ, who is the head and the builder of the church, first gave the church apostles and prophets as the foundation. They are the gift to every single church that is a church of God. And He gave us the infallible, inerrant Word of God. The next gift Jesus Christ gives us there in Ephesians chapter 4 in order of priority is the connection of the apostles and prophets to the pastors and teachers. The relationship of one foundation to structure. You have the foundation laid first. Matt backs his cement truck up pours the cement into the forms that were built. That cement hardens for what purpose? So that you can build upon the foundation. So the builders come in and they begin to build. They begin to do the work, laying the wood and the lumber and the bricks upon that foundation. And that foundation supports the building. Sometimes they build magnificent skyscrapers upon a foundation, but it has to be solid. So the church's foundation contains all of the prophets and the apostles' teaching, both the Old and the New Testament, all that Jesus Christ taught in the New Testament. That is the foundation. As Jesus said, it's like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And when the storms comes, it will not blow the house down. Those storms include higher criticism, scientific pretense, humanism. But the church built on the foundation will survive all of them. Even in the 21st century with radical Islam and enlightenment when it comes, yet our Lord was confident that His church would stand with that foundation and it would stand tall. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against His church. So the gift Jesus Christ builds upon the foundation of the church is pastors and teachers. It's one gift. The structure of the Greek, which Pastor Tiago could tell you much better than I could, insists on one. It's some pastors and teachers It's not some pastors and some teachers. No, it's, it's one, pastors and teachers. Pastors by teaching and you teach by pastoring. And all true teaching is infused in pastoral application. For it's impossible to teach without pastoring. And it's impossible to pastor without teaching. So the office Jesus Christ gives each congregation is shepherds, teachers. And God allowed us to have him for four years to be a shepherd in teaching. Even though he was not in the office for the other four years, he also taught during that time. It's impossible to be a good pastor if one is not faithful in teaching. And it's impossible to be good at teaching unless you're faithful in pastoring. And Jesus Christ has raised up men like Pastor Tiago to do such. And God has ordained that he would go back to Portugal and he would stand firm upon the truth. And God has laid upon his heart to establish the seminary there in Portugal. He will receive his financial help from churches. And from his own church he will pastor. He will not receive any financial help whatsoever from the seminary as well as the other two men that are helping start it. But their hearts are geared toward training men because they know that if men are trained to be pastors and teachers, then they will make an impact upon the nation of Portugal. But how is a pastor and a teacher to pastor? What's the pastor's work? Well, I read for you this evening our text, Psalms 23. And it sets before us the basic principles for pastoring. First, a pastor is to have a concern for his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, it says. There is to be a sense of affection, attachment, a pastor responds with some seriousness. He knows the name of his flock. He is personal. He knows the lambs in his flock. He prays for them personally, and he seeks to know them more deeply. And all of us in this congregation can give testimony that Pastor Tiago has done that here at Grace Baptist Church. Second, He seeks to make each sheep lie down in green pasture. Sheep must be encouraged to lie down. They must be encouraged to rest in the Lord, in His grace, in His mercy. The pressures of our life today cause us to not lie down. And it's the pastor's responsibility to encourage his people to rest in the Lord. The pressures of family and children and work and other activities, even the church can be overbearing to where one grows weary. I've told you that you need to rest sometimes. Sometimes some of you overdo it. And you need to rest in the Lord. Because you're not any good if you wear yourself completely out. That's one reason why the Lord has given us a Sabbath day rest so that we might be able to regain our strength to deal with all that we have to deal the following week. And it's the pastor's responsibility to desire for his flock to enjoy the blessings that are found in Christ and Christ alone. You remind the flock of the experience of God That you have in enjoying Jesus Christ. How God, in His goodness, has called us to lie down and rest in His goodness. Jesus says, Come to me, all you that are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Third, He leads them to green pasture and still water. A flock loves to be there where there is delicious food. We all enjoy that, especially as Baptists, as the saying goes. A pastor's sermon must be sufficient. It must be for his flock. It must engage his flock so that they listen attentively. A good sermon is a sermon if a people... I mean, what good is it if a people don't listen to it? Now, of course, I'm not talking about the lost. The lost people are not going to listen to a sermon unless you tell jokes and stories and points and poems and all of that. They may listen to that, but they're not going to listen to the Word of God. I'm talking about Christians. A pastor must speak to the flock, to the people, must share God's Word. A pastor must share of the amazing grace of God, how amazing God has entered into this world to save His people from their sin, to tell them, that God created all things, that God is omnipotent, that God loves them, and that God will save sinners through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the Son of God came into the world preaching to the people. They had never heard such teaching as Luke four thirty-two says, they were astonished at His teaching. For his words were with authority. Even the temple guard says, No man has ever spoken like this man. I mean, can you think of a greater sermon than the Sermon on the Mount? What green pastures and still waters that pastor ministry must aim at, he must feed the flock. And Pastor Tiagu has been faithful in doing that. Fourth, he is to restore their souls. There's times when the sheep must be lifted up to higher planes. Their faith must be restored. Sometimes the flock must remember that God has a purpose in all things, that there will, become, there will come difficult times in their life and they must know how to deal with those difficult times that come their way. I mean, we have all faced it with the coronavirus that has gone around. It's been a difficult time for us. It's difficult when all of our members cannot gather together to worship together and to fellowship together and to have our prayer time together on Wednesday night. These are difficult times. And there are times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, times of renewal. And we're praying that God would be pleased to bring those about. Acts talks about those times of refreshing. Martin Luther Jones preached this particular text on one Sunday night and he dealt with man's helplessness to improve his own life. And he said, have you ever been in some of those cities in America where there is terrible humidity? In America, they don't only measure the heat, they measure the humidity and that's quite right. Have you ever been in a city like Boston? And I thought to myself, Come on down to Jackson, Mississippi. (laughs) And said, on a hot August Sunday afternoon, when it isn't only hot, but very humid as well. No sun to be seen, but it's above the cloud. The whole universe seems to be pressing down upon you, hot and humid, and you're tired. And you sit in a room, and what can be done? Before they had air conditioner, people would sit... And they would pull out an electric fan. The fan would cause air to circulate. And while you were sitting where near the fan and you feel a little bit of cool air, you were quite convinced that the fan is cooling the atmosphere. But you're wrong. It's actually increasing the temperature because the energy of the electricity is adding to the temperature. You have the impression that it is cooling the air because there's a movement, but the fan does not bring any fresh air at all. It makes the same air go round and round. You merely get the illusion illusion that the position is being dealt with. Then there are times of refreshing. People who were shut in confined space and it was awful. Suddenly they feel a light, slight breeze. It came from outside. It comes from heaven, from eternity. It is a supernatural gospel. This is a miracle because God is concerned. There is an eternal hope for us, the breath of hope. But then, think of the breath of relief, seasons of refreshing. Just imagine what God's people feel like under the condition I have been described. They have lost all their energy, there is no oxygen and humidity, and the heat is terrible. But suddenly, they are conscious of something new, a fresh, a coolness, something that makes them feel that they will be able to breathe after all. That they are not irrevocably doomed to death. What is it? Peter gives us the answer. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. And this is an example of preaching what refreshes us. But I am also saying that it's our calling to refresh our fellow believers by restoring their souls. Fifth, the psalmist tells us lead the people. In other words, a pastor is called to be a leader, an example to his people. He's not merely another sheep. He is to be the under-shepherd. It's not to be vice versa. The sheep are not to be leading the shepherd. The shepherd is to be leading the sheep. And you are to be one to go first. And of course, any time you're the one that called to go first, there's going to be many headaches. There will be e- illness. There will be loneliness. But you are to be first. You're to be first in prayerfulness. You're to be first in giving. You're to be first in ministering the Word. You're to be first in mortification of the flesh. You're to be first in submitting yourself to the Word of God. You're to be first in doing all that the Bible calls a pastor to do so that you do not become like Demas and Judas. First in stewardship. First in evangelism. In leading in grace. In leading in the likeness of Christ. In leading in love. You lead the flock. You do not bully them. You show them grace. And again, we have seen this in Pastor Tiago. Six, you constantly exalt the great name. You do all this leading why? As the scripture says, for His name's sake. He is the good shepherd, the great shepherd. You're the under-shepherd. He's our example. You want His name to be loved. You want His name to be exalted. You want His name to be, remember, not yours, but Christ's name. What a good shepherd the Lord Jesus Christ is. He's not only one who leads the sheep so faithfully, but He is one that cares for the sheep when they are weak and when they hobble alone. Jesus said the reason He came is to help sinners, not the righteous. And at times it seemed that Jesus preferred the lowly, the sinners, over those who were religious. He hung around with the outcast, the poor, the downtrodden, and He gave Himself to them. Jesus ne- never said that anyone was too bad for them, for him. He promised, thank you, he promised that he would give them grace and mercy and love. Seven, you lead them in the path of righteousness, not self-esteem, not feel-good sermons. But you lead them in the path of righteousness. You deliver them from the counsel of the ungodly. You stand in the way of sinners. You sit in the seat of the scornful. But you make it their delight to walk in the path of the righteous. You set before them how beautiful... Holiness is, so that they desire to pursue holiness. You demonstrate before them your own hunger and thirst for the Word of God, your own hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, what is it that they are seeking first? What is most valuable to your congregation? If it's the world, then you must direct them to what Scripture says about the world, that this world will one day be destroyed. You direct them to what Jesus says about storing up treasures in heaven and that all that this world contains will be burned up. Are you seeking your prosperity education, pleasure, and security in this world? If so, then it's the pastor's responsibility to tell you to repent and seek righteousness. Psalms 42, 1 says, As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. That is a pastor's desire for his flock, that they will pant for the water brook, that they will pant for the Lord and our pastor has done that in directing our people and then finally you protect the flock you have the armor of God to protect you as you fight the calls and truth of God David was content with a rod and a staff When he was offered all the armor that he could have to go and fight Goliath, he said, it doesn't fit me. Just give me my rock and my staff and my sling. And it took only one stone to take Goliath out. The weapon of our warfare are spiritual weapons, mighty in the hands of God, able to pull down all the strongholds, So you protect the flock from the enemy within from your own self. Paul warns us and he warned the Ephesians that wolves will come into the congregation and seek to lead them astray so they were to be faithful to the Word of God and the shepherd would be faithful in protecting the sheep. One who is unwilling to protect the sheep is simply a hired hireling. The true shepherd lays down his life for his people. And I believe that that is exactly what Pastor Tiagu has shown to us in the years that he has been with us, that he is willing to lay down his life for his people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, We thank you that you continue to raise up men of God. And we thank you, Father, that you have raised up a man to be with us for these eight years. And that you continue to guide him and direct him. And we pray, Father, that as you lead him into his next journey, that you would continue to bless him and his family, watch over him and protect him. We know, Father, that you will bring glory, honor to your name through his life as you use him in these various ways that he has committed himself. And we pray that you would provide for his needs and watch over him and his family and keep them safe and bless them during these 16 months that they are in Washington, D.C. Provide all that they will need as they look forward to returning to Portugal. And, Father, that You would use them in a mighty way there. Again, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the wonderful salvation that is found in Christ. And we pray for anyone that is here tonight, Father, who has not looked to Christ and cried out to Him in repentance and faith, that tonight would be the night of salvation. Tonight would be the night that they would seek Christ with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen.